Good morning. I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Monday, August 1st. A new program to help youth stay away from gangs and drugs. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. San Diego County's Health Department has launched a monkeypox text alert system. Monkeypox can cause flu-like symptoms and rashes. It's spread through close contact or using the clothes or bedding of someone who has it. The state said that out of the just under 800 cases of monkeypox identified in California, 27 of them were in San Diego County. To sign up for real-time info about the virus in the region, Text COSD Monkeypox to 468-311. A resident at Veterans Village of San Diego died of a suspected fentanyl overdose last Tuesday. Now the DEA is investigating two deaths at the nonprofit rehab center. DEA officers could not provide specific details about the incident, but said they typically look for fentanyl supply sources and collect evidence for prosecution. Although drugs and alcohol are not permitted at Veterans Village, an iNewsource investigation in June found that clients have struggled to stay sober because of the prevalence of drugs on the property. It's nearing the end of summer break and the beginning of the school year. Along with school supplies and new outfits, the county says it's also time to make sure your children are up to date on all vaccines and doctor's appointments. Some of the vaccines for children include DTaP, Hep B, MMR, chickenpox, polio, and the HPV vaccine. August is National Immunization Awareness Month, a reminder for everyone to make sure they're up to date on recommended vaccines. Call 211 for more info about vaccines and where to get them. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hey, 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 this is Parker Edison, host of the Parker Edison Project on KPBS. The cool thing about joining KPBS is you make one simple donation, and that money ripples into supporting everything else you see and hear on KPBS, including podcasts like this one you're listening to right now, making a place for fresh voices and perspectives to be heard. And that's music to my ears. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click that blue Give Now button, and donate what you can. All right? Thanks. Growing up in poverty, surrounded by guns, drugs, and gang members, is a reality for many in San Diego. KPBS reporter Jacob Ayer says a new mentoring curriculum has an innovative approach to change lives and address trauma for at-risk boys and young adults in those scenarios. I never thought I'd be living this lifestyle. MacLovio Marquez is a personal trainer and coach in downtown San Diego. But just a couple of years ago, he was dealing drugs. To be a gang member or to be tough or to have this persona of I'm a badass is, is so widely accepted. And not only widely accepted, it's strongly enforced and encouraged. Like like when it doesn't need to be, you know. Donovan Dove says he ran into similar scenarios. We don't have counselors, we counsel ourselves. We drink, we smoke, they put liquor stores everywhere. We out here faded, we are lost, you know what I'm saying? So when we are lost, 
no guidance, police circling around our neighborhood all day, it's cops and robbers. So it put us in a criminal mindset already. Marquez and Dove both say an organization called Paving Great Futures helped them turn their lives around. And now, they're mentors for other youth. Armand King co-founded the group, which educates kids and young adults on harsh realities many of them face, from drug abuse and child sex trafficking to homelessness and youth violence. King says the program gives them hope. It gives them um, ideas that they and thoughts and belief that they can do more than what their um, circumstances that they grew up in might dictate to them. Now, King is building on the lessons he learned through Paving Great Futures and as the chair of San Diego Gang Prevention and Intervention Board. His next chapter is a separate for-profit youth mentoring curriculum called Walk With Me Impact. The only solution that we end up hearing is prison. The only things that we see as, as a result to the lifestyle is death and incarceration. So this curriculum, we are fully focusing on prevention um, tactics, prevention methods. How do we stop a kid from ever having to go through these, these traumatic experiences? King says Walk With Me Impact is for profit so we can pay youth consultants like Kamaraki, who says kids can be attracted to illegal and dangerous work. You know, pimps always have money, fly clothes, got girls, you know, giving out dollars to the young, to us, you know, um, and looking out for us and taking care of us. Some, a lot of us don't have fathers, you know, older brothers or anyone that's looking out for us like that. The program will provide youth with positive role models who look like them and are from similar backgrounds like Marquez. Because I know when I was younger and while I was in that lifestyle and I didn't want to talk to no adults about what I was doing, you know, like, if, but if I knew you, you could relate to me and you know what I'm going through, I'll be more willing to, to not only vent to you, but to engage with you and, and keep a relationship with you, you know. The new curriculum includes rap music, a video documentary series, and a choose-your-own-adventure book where readers can make choices based on real-life experiences. The material in this curriculum will help kids not only recognize what they're surrounded by, recognize um, these toxic uh, lifestyles, but it'll help them cope with things that they're already dealing with, prepare them for things that may be approaching them. King says there's a dire need for this new curriculum as he's lost too many loved ones over the past couple of years. And after death, after death, after death, it's like being at war in Afghanistan and it seems like nobody cares and wonder why you can't behave well at school, wondering why you're not participating in society. King says the Walk With Me Impact curriculum is being reviewed by two professors at Point Loma Nazarene and San Diego State University. A Kickstarter campaign to raise funds for the initiative starts on August 2nd. Eventually, he hopes to expand the program into schools, juvenile halls, and other settings across the U.S. and Canada. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. The compromise climate legislation working its way through Congress is getting mixed reviews from local experts following the nation's response to the climate crisis. KPBS environment reporter... Eric Anderson has details. Sierra Club President Ramon Cruz last week called the surprise compromise between Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin a big effing deal. The bill calls for $369 billion in funding for environmental justice, making clean energy products, and cutting the nation's carbon emissions by 40%. It's not where we need to be, but it's 
it's for much further along than, than we have been. San Diego 350's Masada Dizenhouse says it's important to codify carbon emission goals, but the legislative package remains a mixed bag. It's very far from perfect. You know, it has some really insidious um, parts like subsidies for expanding uh, extraction of oil and gas and for the false climate solutions being pushed by the fossil fuel industry. But it also has uh, hundreds of billions of dollars to incentivize renewable energy, energy efficiency, and investing in environmental justice communities. Energy industry analyst David Victor says the legislation is significant because it's a deal that could make it to President Biden's desk. The UC San Diego professor says the agreement comes during a difficult political environment. We've waited for decades now to get serious about the climate problem, and we can't do a huge amount very quickly, especially in the context of the energy crisis that we're in, where there's a huge amount of political pressure to increase conventional fossil fuel production. Victor cautions that the goal to reduce carbon emissions by 40 percent is somewhat aspirational. These numbers are always a little bit squishy because figuring out the actual reduction of emissions requires knowing how these policies will be implemented. We don't know that yet. Democrats hope for a Senate vote before the end of the month. The House would also need to approve the bill before it's sent to Biden. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. Coming up, new regulations for electric scooters and bikes. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break. Long ago, when the public square was the only place to share news, events, and happenings, people were drawn to it. Living in community with others was the route to understanding each other and the world around us. The public square has changed dramatically, but our need to learn and understand one another has it. This is Port of Entry. The Parker Edison Project. Listener-supported KPBS Cinema Junkie. Thank you for listening to KPBS Podcasts and for being part of our region's virtual public square, where you learn not only about the headlines of the day, but about culture, music, and the issues that are important to all of us. Help keep the virtual square alive and well. Support podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. And thanks again. San Diego has some new regulations for shared electric scooters and bikes. KPBS reporter Jacob Ayer says they went into effect last week. The new rules include a ban on parking shared scooters and bikes anywhere but in city-approved corrals, slower speeds on sidewalks, and an effort to make scooter companies more accountable for irresponsible riders. City Heights CDC Communication Engagement Coordinator Jesse Ramirez says adding more scooters or e-bikes would help to meet overall transportation needs of the area, especially with gas prices becoming unaffordable to many. I do see a lot of value in in these new regulations, and I think it can help uh, the City Heights community and other historically excluded communities a lot. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. 
Globe resident artist Patricia McGregor will be taking on the role of artistic director of New York Theatre Workshop. But before she leaves, she is directing a Midsummer Night's Dream to close the Globe's 2022 Summer Shakespeare Festival. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando spoke with McGregor about the Bard's popular and magical comedy. Patricia, what do you think is the reason for the lasting appeal of Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream? I think it's a feast with something for everyone at the table. It's got delight and magic. And so when people think about Midsummer, I think they first think about the fairies. And I think in a world that is full of everyday bills and drudgeries, we all have a yearning for magic and delight in our world. So I think that's number one. Second, the theme of transformation. While there's many themes in the play, I think the idea of transformation, both literal, figurative, in all ways, I think that's something that we're all seeking. The idea of can we transform and how. The idea of the woods as a metaphor. In many ways, COVID is a wood. We all have our different versions of a wood. What is this place that you go to seeking transformation that can be both terrifying and also full of discovery. I think the mechanicals, I often, I've done the piece a few times now, and my theme is always, we are all mechanicals. So I think it's also a love letter to theater, theater makers, both the foibles and the extraordinary gifts of theater, both for the practitioners and for the audience. Those are some of the things I think are wonderful. And also part of what I've always been drawn to and try to bring out in my productions is as much fun, as much clown, as much magic as there is, there's also really high stakes. The piece starts with the inciting incident is Aegeus coming in and saying, if my daughter doesn't bend to my will, I call upon death for her. And I think in a time where we're really examining everyone's rights and a more just world for everyone and the way in which that is under attack for women in particular, I think people are often surprised at how relevant the piece can be and how at the center of it, this young woman fighting for her autonomy and her voice and the bravery of Hermia in the center of this whirlwind is the grounding that allows for the tree to bloom and the magic to happen. But at the center is that idea of what do you stand for? And I think that central anchor of the piece allows for it to float and fly while still feeling like it's a full meal. Now, you brought up casting, and I have not yet had a chance to see the play, but it looks like you are not only doing colorblind casting, but also some gender-bending casting? We are a people who see people. We see everything they have to offer, whether it's the color of their skin, their height, all of those things. I think that's part of the vocabulary offered. And I think there's been a, a tradition where certain people weren't perceived to be appropriate for certain roles. So I always like to say color conscious because to me, I want to bring onto stages the world that I see around me and the world that I want to see around me. So I try to think of diversity in as many places as I can, color, race being one of them. Aegeus doesn't want his daughter to marry Lysander. He wants her to marry Demetrius. And you always have to ask yourself, why? Why does Aegeus, if they are, if I take the text to be real, that they are equally wealthy and, you know, um, equally prestigious in certain ways. In this one, we have a wonderful non-binary actor, Bernadette, 
and they we had a long conversation and they were really interested in playing the role as a genderqueer woman. And I think that, again, as we look at what's going on in the world and why someone in Aegeus's position who is attached to the patriarchy, who is attached to this old school, he literally calls upon the ancient privilege of Athens. So that's who Aegeus is. He is the defender of the ancient privilege of Athens. So I feel like Shakespeare has an invitation for us to make the play feel alive today. And the idea of representation from the LGBTQIA community and the way in which their search for justice, equality, marriage rights, and the way in which those things are under attack right now with the Aegeuses in the world, I thought it was a great opportunity to center love and not taking love and justice and choosing your own partner for granted. That was director Patricia McGregor speaking with KPBS arts reporter Beth Alcamando. A Midsummer Night's Dream opened yesterday and runs through September 4th at Lowell's Davis Festival Theater. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great day.